The Productive Woman, Episode 324. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're continuing our recurring productive reading series, this time talking about some lessons I've learned from The Minimalist Home by Joshua Becker. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 324. This episode is brought to you by Indeed, which has a special offer for those of you responsible for hiring at your business. So you might want to check this out. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and the year is almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike some other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Well, right now, Indeed is offering the Productive Woman listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So try Indeed out with that free $75 credit by going to indeed.com slash TPW. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to indeed.com slash TPW and be aware that this offer is valid through December 31st of 2020 and terms and conditions apply. So you're going to want to check it out right away. Okay, so let's get into our productive reading episode. We're continuing our productive reading recurring series this week. And as a reminder, in case you're new here, this is a a series that we come back to periodically where we talk about lessons learned from particular books. So for instance, back in episode 133, we talked about lessons from Gary Keller's fabulous book, The One Thing. Episode 147, we looked at Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit. Episode 166 looked at three books, actually, written by Brene Brown, while in episode 182, we looked at Soulful Simplicity by Courtney Carver, which is really, uh, all of these are great books. Episode 211 focused on Jeff Sanders' book, The Free Time Formula. 
In episode 230, we looked at James Clear's phenomenal book, Atomic Habits, while episode 250 looked at Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt. And finally, our most recent productive reading book was episode 271. We looked at Maura Neville Thomas's book, Attention Management. We'll put links to all of those in the show notes. Those are all great books worth checking out. And this time we're looking at another one, a book with a little bit different focus from some of the others, as I'm sharing some of my most important takeaways from The Minimalist Home by Joshua Becker. So who is Joshua Becker? You may have heard of him. You might not have. From the back cover copy of the book, The Minimalist Home, it says Joshua Becker is the founder and editor of Becoming Minimalist, a website that inspires over 1 million readers each month to find more life by owning less. He's also the co-founder of the popular online magazine Simplify and the best-selling author of several books, including The More of Less, Finding the Life You Want Under Everything You Own. Joshua is a contributing writer to Forbes and has made media appearances in the Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post, and the CBS Evening News. Joshua and his young family live in Peoria, Arizona, and he and his wife, Kim, are the founders of The Hope Effect, a nonprofit organization that helps orphans around the world. So that's what the book says about who Joshua Becker is. I had heard of him before Uh, I saw this book just from his work online, um, the blog and so on. And the work he's well known kind of in the minimalism space. Why I read this book is pretty simple. I've been on a journey over the past couple of years, probably to try to make more space in my life by reducing the amount of stuff I own. So when I saw this book, the title appealed to me because it's not an easy process for me. I, I'm not a hoarder, but I, you know, I, I get stuff. I, I like my stuff. Uh, it's, it, I collect stuff over the years as you, you probably do as well. My husband and I've been married for quite a long time and had five kids. And so over all those years, you just, you amass quite a bit of stuff. And so it, it's a an ongoing process for me to have less stuff in the house and to let go of things. And so when I saw this book, I, it just kind of spoke to me and I wanted to check it out. There's a lot of interesting information in here uh, about the reasons behind the the minimalism movement, if if you want to call it that, and the reaction that it is to the uh, accumulation that we as a society have done. And so he has uh, some really interesting statistics in the book that kind of contributed to why I felt like I wanted to focus on this book as part of our productive reading series. I think it's well worth reading. I really enjoyed it. But when you think about some of these statistics that he shares, for instance, he points out that Americans spend $1.2 trillion annually on non-essential goods. And he footnotes all these things. So, you know, you can look up the sources where he gets these numbers from. He also says, and I'm quoting again, the United States has more than 50,000 storage facilities, more than the number of Starbucks, McDonald's, and Subway restaurants combined. And I thought this was interesting because he also talks in the book at a later point in the book about how 
here in the United States, at least the average size home has grown over the years from, you know, from where it was a few decades ago. And yet even with our larger homes, we don't have enough space to keep all our stuff. And so, so many of us are renting storage facilities somewhere to put the extra stuff that we don't have space for in our house. Uh, we also, there, you know, there's lots of, of, anecdotal evidence out there about how people have, you know, two and three car garages and can't park their cars in them because there's so much stuff in there. We, uh, we can park in our garage. So I'm happy about that, but we do have a storage unit. We got it when we moved from, uh, the farm that we'd lived in on for several years to our, the house that we're living in now, which we moved here about a year ago. And there were a few things that we need, but we didn't have space to put them because we knew we were going to build a music studio for Mike. And so some of this stuff is still there. Hopefully we're going to be emptying that out here in the next six to eight weeks when the studio building is completed and we'll let that, that storage space go. Uh, but you know, we're like so many other Americans having this extra storage space that we're paying for in addition to the homes that we already have. Another uh, quote from the book where he talks about these statistics is he says, the home organization industry benefiting from our desperation to try to manage all our stuff earned retail sales of $16 billion in 2016 and is growing at 4% per year. I should have said the, the book was written or was published in 2018. And so it quotes this 2016 statistic for sales of home organization stuff. Um, and finally, he notes that over the course of an average lifetime, because of all the clutter we live in, we will spend 3,680 hours or 153 days searching for misplaced items. And he says, phones, keys, sunglasses, and paperwork top the list. So those are just some of the stats that he quotes in the book where he's talking about the reason uh, why... Uh, we are so cluttered. Our, our homes and our offices are so cluttered. And, and that's the reason why this sort of minimalism movement has developed in response to that, realizing the cost to us as individuals and as a society for all the stuff we've accumulated. So that's kind of, you know, the backdrop for why I thought this book was worth talking about that plus I just really thought it was very, very good. So the first part of the book goes through his approach to minimalizing your home and the reasons for it. Some of it being these things I just talked about and some encouragement that can help you uh, accomplish the process of going through your home to, to minimize the, the possessions that you have. The main part of the book is a series of chapters that go through the rooms of your house one by one, and in each case, offering specific helpful tips for uh, decluttering and minimizing that particular room. Uh, it, each chapter includes really encouraging testimonials from people who've been through the process, and then a step-by-step -step process for minimizing that particular room. So it's uh, it, that's kind of the, the format for each of the chapters in this section of the book. 
And then each room's chapter ends with a simple checklist to help you in evaluating when you've optimized that room. So he starts, uh, and I'll talk about this a little more here in a minute, but it, it, the, the order that he goes through in the book is kind of the, the order he recommends that we go through our homes. So he starts with the living room or family room, inviting you to think about what you want out of those public or gathering spaces in your home, and then offering suggestions a process for for decluttering and minimizing that space and making it work for you better. From there, he moves to the bedrooms and the guest rooms. Again, thinking about your purpose for those rooms, he includes some really good specific suggestions for kids' bedrooms and kind of getting them on board for minimizing. From there, he goes to clothes closets and the mudroom, then to bathrooms and the laundry room, then to the kitchen and the dining room, which he calls the heart of the home. And that chapter has some really interesting and kind of thought-provoking ideas about hospitality, which makes sense when you're talking about the kitchen and dining room and the, the purpose for those rooms. After that, the book covers the home office, including a really helpful chart outlining what kinds of paper should be kept and for how long. Then he goes to the storage and hobby areas of the home and the toy room, if you have one. And finally, he goes, uh, looks at the garage and your yard. So thinking about the first impression that people have when they come to the home, whether the people who live there or, or guests who are coming in and things you can do in the garage and the yard. And so at, that's the main section of the book. And then after that, he wraps up the book with a section about maintaining that minimalism after you've gone through the process, including some uh, helpful lists of suggested daily, weekly, and monthly maintenance tasks that you can do. And then a section on possible next steps, even taking a look at the whether you might want to downsize your home once you've sort of downsized the possessions that are filling your home at what point in your life do you want to downsize what are the benefits of that and he's not saying everybody should do that he's just it's a very interesting and kind of thought provoking discussion about that possibility so some of my key takeaways uh, from the book and uh, some quotes that I really liked, and, and there were a lot of them. I could have made this a really, really long episode, and I'm trying not to do that. So I'm, I'm going to just hit the highlights of, of some of the key takeaways that really got me thinking. Uh, one of them is, and he kind of starts out early in the book talking about this, about if we are dissatisfied with our homes, redecorating might not be the answer. So how many of us, and, and I, you know, I can raise my hand here. I, I love our home. We, we bought this house, moved in about just about a year ago, almost a year ago. And it's kind of a dream home for me, but there's always, you know, little things you want to do and little changes you want to make. And whether it's, you know, just little things like that, or you're really dissatisfied with your home and always wanting to change things or do different things to it or buy organizing tools or whatever. Um, and we think that either we need to change the house we're in or move to a completely different house because we're dissatisfied with where we are. And his, his thought is that it, redecorating or moving might not be the answer. Uh, a question he asks early in the book that really got me thinking about this is, 
What if the problem isn't that we don't own enough stuff or aren't managing our stuff well enough? What if the problem is that we're living in the homes that advertisers and retailers want us to have instead of the homes that deep down we really want and need? And I just thought that was such a a good question. When you think about, especially if you're kind of in that frame of mind of, oh, I need to organize my stuff, or I don't have enough storage space in this house, or I don't have enough rooms, or I don't have enough this, or, or I need to get this one more piece of decor or this one more piece of furniture. And he, he kind of gets us to, to st- take a step back and say, maybe that's not what we need. Maybe we were dissatisfied for another reason, because we're trying to make our homes into something that we've been kind of sold by the marketing people and the retailers, instead of really thinking about what do we need in a home? What do I need in my space? And so in talking about this, this tension between the the accumulation that our society kind of promotes all the time and the dissatisfaction with our homes because they don't quite meet the needs. Um, he, he, he really talks about the value of minimizing the amount of stuff we own to make us more satisfied and more content with our homes and with our lives. One of the things he says is by getting rid of the excess stuff in every room, you can transform your home so that you feel not only free from the stress of so much clutter around you, but also free to live a life focused on what you want to do with your limited years on this planet. So I love that. And he, and then he says, give yourself the house you've always wished you had. You've already got it. It's hidden underneath all your stuff. Uh, and I thought, Ew, that's, you know, that there's something to think about. If we are dissatisfied with our home, is it because we're so overwhelmed with all the stuff we filled it with? So I, I just thought that was that was kind of a something that I've been thinking about ever since I read the book, that if we're dissatisfied with our homes, redecorating might not be the answer. Getting more stuff probably isn't the answer. A second key takeaway for me is about what minimalism means, because if you're like me, maybe you hear that word and, and you picture a sterile home with bare white walls and hardly any furniture and, you know, maybe only one plate, one bowl and one spoon for each person. And, and that's what we kind of the picture that comes to our mind when we think about minimalism, but that's not what minimalism is about. And when you read this book and some of the other stuff that Joshua Becker has written, he really drives that home. You know, he says more than once and in more than one way, something along these lines, and I'm quoting from the book, minimalism isn't about removing things you love. It's about removing the things that distract you from the things you love. And the idea that the more you have, the less time, energy, and attention you can devote or spend on any one thing. So the things you love sort of get lost in all the other stuff around it. Uh, He also talks about that minimalism isn't a decorating style, although it, it, you know, you think of it that way. It, it, 
any kind of decor style can be minimalist. He says, creating a minimalist home doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your favorite design style or even your no design style or frugal living style to accomplish it. What's widely known as minimalism in architecture and interior decoration today is fine as a design style if you happen to like it, but that's not at all what I'm talking about here. I'm quoting him. He says, I'm promoting an approach to owning less that you can take regardless of the style of your home. It's not about making an artistic statement or glorifying emptiness. Instead, it's about transforming your home so you can transform your life. And I loved that last part because a lot of what he has to say in the book is about uh, the cost of having so much stuff is the time and the energy and attention and the money you have to spend on uh, not only acquiring it, but maintaining it and cleaning it and moving it around and finding it when you've lost it and all of those sorts of things. That, he says, is taking away time from making our lives uh, what we want them to be. So I love that, that minimalism in his thinking is about transforming your home so you can transform your life, making your home serve you instead of spending so much time and energy and attention and money serving the stuff you've acquired. He also says, minimizing is actually optimizing, reducing the number of your possessions until you get to the best possible level for you and your family. It's individual, freeing, and life-promoting. It's a makeover that you can do on your own in your current house just by getting rid of stuff. And again, over and over, he says, it's not about how much stuff you have or how much stuff you get rid of. It's about clearing out everything that distracts you from what matters most to you. Something to think about. A third takeaway from that I took from the book really was about the, the benefits of a minimalist home. And he puts it in this way, that it's a better place to come home to and it's a better place to go out from. When you've gone through this process of minimizing your home, that is not getting rid of as much stuff as you can, but just getting rid of everything that distracts you from the things that you love and the people that you love. So it's a better place to come home to, he says, and I'm quoting here, without all the clutter, you'll find that your home is more relaxing and less stressful. With fewer things competing for your attention, you'll appreciate more and make better use of what you have. You'll be able to focus more on the people and activities in the home that bring you joy. And that's, I really liked that piece of it. And that's kind of a theme throughout the book. And he also says, a minimalized home is a better place to go out from. He says, after you minimize, you'll be buying less stuff and spending less on repairs and maintenance, leaving you with more cash in your bank account that you can use for other purposes. Even more important, he says, because you'll be spending less time and energy cleaning, organizing, and taking care of your possessions, you'll have more time and energy left over for dreaming and planning for the future. With those extra resources, you'll be better prepared to go out into the world, whether it's for a day's work, an evening's entertainment, or a life-changing adventure. And 
again, I just really, that really gave me a lot to think about. If you are spending less of your time and energy, just taking care of stuff and, and, you know, all that goes with that, you've got more time and energy to think about what else is important to you and to go out into the world and enjoy it. So I thought that was really good. Fourth takeaway was what he calls the, the Becker method. I really liked the approach he has to, um, to minimizing your home. And so, because it's a, a purposeful approach to going through your home very methodically and thinking about what you have in there, in your home, in the various spaces of your home and keeping only those things that, that serve you. And so, uh, I'll kind of summarize the overview that he had of what his, what he calls the Becker method. The first step is have goals for your home and your life in mind as you start minimizing. So thinking about what you want your home to accomplish for you, what kind of place you want it to be and what kind of life you want to live. Number two, he says, try to make it a family project. If you live with family members, get their buy-in get them involved. Number three, he says, be methodical. And that has kind of several components. Uh, and I'm quoting from the book here, start minimizing with easier spaces in the home and move on to harder ones. Uh, and I will say as a commentary easier, both in the sense of the amount of stuff that's in it, the kinds of stuff that are in, in the space and, uh, how easy it is to, to, you know, kind of navigate getting rid of things. So start minimizing with the easier spaces, move on to the harder ones. As you get that momentum going from the easier spaces, it makes it easier when you get to the places that, that hold the things that maybe have sentimental value or whatever. The second piece of being methodical, he says, handle each object and ask yourself, do I need this? And I thought this was interesting. There's a similarity here with the Marie Kondo approach, um, if you remember that one. Uh, but the difference is in the question. Marie Kondo has you touch every item and ask, does this spark joy? Um, Joshua Becker says, touch each item, handle it, and ask yourself, do I need this? And we'll talk in a minute about what he means by that question. The third piece of being methodical is for each object as you handle it and, and uh, ask that question, decide if you're going to relocate it within the home, leave it where it is, or remove it. And then if you're going to remove it, decide if you're going to sell it, donate it, trash it, or recycle it. So that's kind of part three. Uh, part four of being methodical is finish each space completely before proceeding to the next. And again, this is a very different approach from Marie Kondo in, in, you know, the tidying up lady, um, because she focuses on categories of things and gathering them from every space in the house. Uh, whereas he focuses on going room by room well, I can see the value of her approach when, you know, she talks about like when you start with clothing, you get, get every piece of clothing from everywhere in the house, all in one place, and then go through it and touch each item. I can see the value of that because you actually see how much you have and what you have of each kind. But for me personally, Joshua Becker's approach of going room by room kind of works better for me. Um, 
only one space of the house is disrupted at a time. And you can still, you know, as he, as part of that process we were just talking about, you, one of the questions is, does this belong in this? Am I keeping this? You know, do I need this? If I'm going to keep it, is it staying here or does it belong somewhere else? So you can start as you move from one room to the next, start moving things to the places where they belong without having to go around your house and get every single book, which would, uh, I can't even tell you what that would do in my house. But um, for me personally, I like his approach of going from one room to the next. And then the fifth piece of being methodical, he says, is don't quit until the whole house is done. And that's why he takes you through it room by room in the book with the checklist and the, this, the customized approach for each room and that sort of thing. So that's part three of the Becker method, be methodical. Uh, part five is as much as you can have fun with the process. He, he encourages us to, as he puts it, notice and articulate the benefits that appear along the way and celebrate your success. And the fifth and final step or piece of the Becker approach is when you're done, revisit and revise your goals, aiming to make the most of your newly minimized home and newly optimized life. So I really like his approach. I like the way he describes it. And uh, it's something that I've been trying to incorporate in my own process here. Okay, so then uh, the fifth takeaway that I got from the book uh, when thinking about minimizing is be very purposeful and intentional about it. Really ask yourself all along the way, but before you start and as you go, what results do you want from this process for your home and your life? These are things we think about and we talk about on this podcast pretty regularly. What kind of life do you want to live? What kind of person do you want to be in the world? Well, that's part of this process here is thinking about your home as a whole and each room as you go into it. What is the purpose of this room? What what result do I want from minimizing in this space? What do I want this room to be when I've finished the process? As he says, your home has purposes, each room in the home has purposes, and the possessions in those rooms should serve those purposes. And I thought that was a really good point. So how do you want to feel and how do you want other people to feel in each room of your home as you start uh, the process in your, say, in your living room? How do you want to feel in that room? What what do you want to do in that room? How do you want to feel there? What do you want to use your home for in that particular room? Uh, So thinking about those things. And then in the bigger picture, what would you like to do with the time that you now spend shopping for things, organizing things, cleaning and maintaining things? If you have less stuff to organize and clean and maintain and replace, what would you like to do with that time and with that money that you have left? So, so being very purposeful and intentional about this process uh, can really make a difference, not only in your home, but in your life and your attitude toward it. Uh, number six of the my key takeaways, really, I didn't have a good way to describe this other than just the mindset behind the stuff we decide to keep. And Uh, why he suggests asking the question, do I need this? 
And there's some really good stuff in the book about this, but one of the things he said really had to do with kind of the science of how our minds work. He said, and I'm, I'm quoting from the book here, in psychological theory, the endowment effect is our tendency to consider an object more important than it really is simply because we own it. This explains why it's so hard for us to get rid of our stuff. It's ours. Reflexively, we want to hold on to it. And so we have to deliberately disendow our possessions of the false value we have assigned to them. The question, do I need this, helps us cut through the irrationalism of our excess accumulation. So I I really... I thought that was interesting. You know, so often when we look at something in our home, we don't, we, we hesitate to get rid of it because it's valuable. It has some value, but this concept of the endowment effect tells us that we are probably assigning more value to it simply because it, we own it, it belongs to us. It's in our house. And so we have to get past that and asking this question of, do I need this? helps us get past that. Note that the question isn't just about need in the bare sense of physical survival. Uh, What he says, and I thought this was so good, is what we're talking about is realizing our fullest potential. It's about the pursuit of high-level goals. So when we ask, do I need this? We're actually asking, does this help me achieve my purpose or hinder me in that pursuit? Uh, He goes on to say, remember that to be necessary for our personal potential, an object doesn't always have to be strictly utilitarian, such as a can opener you need because you're going to have cans to open. Beauty is necessary to the human condition too. So I, I love that he talks about that, that when, when you're asking yourself as you're touching each item, do I need this? It's goes beyond just what can I survive without this, but need in the broader sense of helping us, does this help me or hinder me in my pursuit of achieving my purpose and my highest potential? What What's necessary then is a very individual evaluation. And it requires, I think, keeping that bigger picture in mind of who you want to be in the world and what purpose you want your home to serve, both for yourself and those the others who live there or who come to visit there. And so one of the things he recommends is that if you're not sure about whether you need a particular item, when you ask that question and, and you, you're you know, you're hesitant. He, he suggests this, he says, try doing without it for a set period of time. He recommends 29 days. So box it up, set it aside. And at the end of that period, he says, if you find yourself wishing you had the item because it would have come in handy or you otherwise missed it, then maybe you should keep it. On the other hand, if you find yourself getting along without it, just fine, then go ahead and get rid of it. So I think that's a really nice, way of, of kind of doing this process as you go through a room and you hold each item and ask yourself, do I need this? If you're not sure, this is a way to kind of deal with that. So those are kind of my key takeaways. There was so much more in the book. Um, 
you know, some final thoughts on it. I think, while my approach to minimalizing my home might be different from Becker's or, or from yours, I really appreciate the thought that went into this book and the food for thought that it offers. There's so much good stuff in there. I, I love the fact that he doesn't try to say, you know, we're, we're not on a race to see who can own the fewest possessions. That's not the point. One of the things he said that I thought was so good is the goal of minimalism is not just to own less stuff. The goal is to unburden our lives so we can accomplish more. We as a society waste so much time and energy and money accumulating material possessions that we don't even realize how much good we could accomplish if we freed up those resources for better things. And, and that really spoke to me that, that it's not about having less stuff. It's about unburdening ourselves so we can accomplish more good in the world. And as he says, minimalism is a pathway to an end, a life of newly discovered passion, purpose, and margin in life to pursue the things that matter most. It's just some food for thought, you know? I found it to be a very encouraging and inspiring book that challenged me to think deeply about my purposes in life, how my home and the stuff in it can either help or hinder me in fulfilling those purposes. And I think it could do the same for you. It's also, though, a very practical book that takes you through your home room by room, offering ideas uh, and a new perspective on thinking about how you actually use the rooms and how getting rid of the things you don't love and use will make your home feel more like your home. I encourage you to read it, um, check it out, see if the approach he describes will help you transform your home and how that might affect your life. Uh, it's really, to me, it was a very worthwhile read. Another book I wanted to mention on the same theme that I've recently bought and look forward to reading soon is called Cozy Minimalist Home by Mike Willen Smith. It's subtitled More Style, Less Stuff. Uh, that book, uh, as it happens, was endorsed by Joshua Becker, who wrote the book we're talking about today. It was also in, endorsed by Courtney Carver, who uh, was our guest on episode 169 and is the author of Soulful Simplicity, which was our productive reading book from episode 182. So I, I got my copy of it not too long ago, and I'm looking forward to sitting down with that one and, and seeing what she has to say. Uh, on a completely sort of unrelated point. I wanted to mention one other book while I'm talking about books this week. A uh, former The Productive Woman guest, Heather Creekmore, she was our guest way back on episode 45. She has a new book out that just was published this, this summer, this fall, called The Burden of Better. The subtitle is How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, peace and rest. And as I think about it, although it's a different topic, it's not about minimalism. Uh, the whole issue of comparison does come up in, in, uh, the minimalist home. And so there is a connection there. Uh, and it looks like a really good book. It's a faith-based book for those of you who want to know that, but here's what the back cover copy of it says. In an era of carefully curated social media images, nonstop selfies, and TV shows devoted to perfection, comparison can consume you. 
Chasing something better quickly becomes a burden, weighing down your soul and preventing you from experiencing the freedom, contentment, and rest that God generously offers. Um, I haven't read it yet, I will confess that, but the topic speaks so much to my struggle with comparing myself to others and often finding myself wanting. So I'm looking forward to reading this book over the holidays, and I just thought you might be interested in hearing about it as well. So anyway, those are my thoughts about The Minimalist Home by Joshua Becker. And I, I wonder what you think. Have you considered or maybe already implemented a minimalist approach in your home? I'd like to hear about that. I'd also like to hear from you. What is a productivity related book that you've read recently that you would recommend that the rest of us check out? I'd love to hear from you on both of those topics. You can share your thoughts on that in the comments section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 324, or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you are a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, do feel free to continue this conversation there. Let us know what's that productivity-related book that you recommend that we haven't talked about yet. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. I would love to hear from you. A couple of quick things before we go. If you have thought about, as we're wrapping up 2020 and getting ready to go into a new year, if you've thought about joining a Productive Woman Mastermind group to kick off that new year, Uh, come join me and a small group of like-minded women for encouragement, accountability, and support as you define and then pursue your most important goals for this coming year. I will be assembling the groups. I will have no more than two groups this time, starting after the first of the year. Um, I'll be assembling those groups very soon, so don't wait. I only accept five women into each group, so there's, you know, limited space. We'll probably have one group meeting on a weekday evening and another group that will meet uh, possibly on a weekday morning or maybe a weekend morning. But you know, we'll, we'll sort out the actual meeting times based on what works for the women in the group. You can visit the productivewoman.com slash mastermind to learn more, to listen to some short audio testimonials from women who've uh, found value in participating in the past. And that's where you'll also find the short online application. If you want to get more information, uh, filling out the application does not obligate you in any way. It just um, gets me some information so uh, we can connect and determine whether the productive woman mastermind group is a good fit for you. Also on a kind of related matter, you might've heard me in a couple of previous episodes mention plans for an in-person planning retreat for a small group of women here at my home in North Texas. I had hoped to do it in December so we could do our planning, um, ahead of the new year, but with, uh, COVID travel restrictions and all that sort of thing. I've, I've had to postpone it until after the first of the year. I still want to do it. Uh, and so it's going to be, we're, I'm just, we're going to have to all be flexible until it's, uh, everyone feels safe to travel 
and to come and spend, uh, you know, two or three days here with me at my home, uh, planning together. If this is something you're interested in, send me an email at feedback at theproductivewoman.com just to let me know you're, you might be interested. And I will keep you posted as to uh, the timing and everything as it comes together. Uh, before we go, don't forget our, um, our sponsor, Indeed. If you're responsible for hiring at your business or company, remember to try Indeed out with that free $75 credit by going to indeed.com slash tpw again indeed.com slash tpw the offer is valid only through december 31st of 2020 and terms and conditions apply so don't wait and thank you so much to indeed for supporting the productive woman podcast and that is it for this episode of the productive woman i am so grateful to you for spending this time with me I hope you found something in it that was worthwhile and encouraging to you. I look forward to talking with you again next time. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.